So thankful that you chose to download and listen to this podcast. I've been so blessed and as I'm coming closer to 7,000 downloads so far, I'm able to provide them free of charge. But today I want to ask you for a favor if you can. The way I reach people is by ranking in the search results on Google and on Apple iTunes. And if you can give me a rating, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, um, and if you'd like to give me a rating or a review, I'll be so thankful and uh, it would help me reach a broader audience and with that said I want to thank you again and enjoy this message God bless if you have your Bibles um, open with with me there if you don't have your Bible it should be on the screen Um, I'm gonna read from the ESV translation and also on the screen is gonna be from the ESV translation there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards, uh, to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may glorify, be glorified with him would you just pray with me and if you were distracted by anything could you just kind of calm down and allow the Lord to just speak to your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your presence in this house. I pray, Father, that you would open up our hearts. And Father, I am so thankful for these seven nights, Lord God, that we got together and we we uh, prayed and, and we preached and we sang songs, Lord. And Father, I'm so thankful for the things you've, you're doing in our lives and the things you've done on the cross for us. But Lord, I pray that in this time, in 2021, Lord God, that we might be... Uh, good witnesses, Lord God, that we might come to you in reverence and awe, Lord. 
And Father, that we might look at the majesty and the beauty of Christ and to preach the hope that we have in Christ to every single person that we encounter. Lord, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit in this, in, in this place. And I trust that the word that, that will go out will not come back empty, but it will change and transform. Jesus, we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you ever had a time where you had a moment in your life where you're like, man, I just want this to be over, you probably would understand when I tell you that last year, about the same time, we went to Hawaii, and we went to this new beach that I've never seen waves like this before. It's, I think it's called Sandy Beach, something like that. And I go there, and you know, we went to different like places, and I love the ocean at these places, but this particular one, the moment you pull in, you see these massive waves just crashing onto the beach. And I just kind of felt like I'm just going to get out of the car. It was me and three friends. And, and, and I'm like, I'm just going to get out of the car and start running straight into the water. I anticipated that once I get to the waves, I'm just going to collapse in them, right? And, and this is going to be just the most epic moment of this whole vacation thing. But it dark, got really dark really quickly because when I started running towards the waves, the moment I hit the wave, something just pulled from underneath me and just sucked me in and just started to like rotate me over and over and over. And what it looked like at the beginning where I was anticipating to run into it like a kid, like trying to, to embrace it, now I'm thinking, just let me go. Now I'm thinking like, what is happening? Am I going to die, right? In those moments, you can't even scream because you're on the inside of the water. And, and I think I hit my head and I'm just getting like just tumbled in this wave. And at a point in time, just I get spit onto the, onto the beach and, and I kind of get up and I hear this loud announcement. And they're like, if you don't have any equipment, do not try to surf. And I'm like, I think that's, that's, that's me right there. <laughs> um, of course, I didn't tell my friends because I tried to look tough. And I was like, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's a good, good wave. <laughs> but here I'm like, oh my my goodness, my, my head hurts. And I was like, I survived. Turns out I hear that, that that particular beach, if you don't know what you're doing, a lot of people actually break their necks. It's what you think, it's a beautiful thing. And it is a, a majestic thing to take in. It's beautiful to look at. It's also extremely dangerous. It's also can kill you. Because you see, the ocean is not something you play with. <laughs> a lot of times the ocean plays with you right? Can you control the ocean? I mean, you can try to ride a wave or so, uh, a wave or so but, but that's about it. You do not. You, you, now, 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 what would be the proper response and the improper response? The proper response would be for next time when I go there is to respect that this is not just a beautiful thing, but also has the power to kill you. And in wisdom, I have to approach it with a certain awe and respect and wisdom and how, and if I, don't, if I don't know what I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing it, right? The not-so-proper response is if I went to the same place and every single time I would even drive by an ocean is to just, just you know, tremor and fear and just stay in my car because this one time, this thing happened to me. That would not be a proper response. Allowing that fear of the ocean to control me, that would not be proper. 
I remember my dad used to tell me this story that the first time we got electricity in, this, in the village we were in, it was him and his brother that they didn't know how electricity works. And here you have the sockets that kind of have two slots, right? There you had these two holes, right, for, for a, an outlet. And they decided, they had this bright idea to take two nails and stick them inside of, of, of that. Now, let me remind you that here in the USA, the voltage is about 120. There in Europe is 220, right? So you get double the blessing, if you know what I mean, right? So this guy, my uncle, just inserted him just a little, and then he just got the full wrath of what, what happens when you stick two nails inside of a socket. Right now, he survived, and that's the good news. The proper response would be, don't do that. The proper response, don't stick nails into the outlet. The not-so-proper response is every single time you walk by an outlet, to be so terrified by it. Like, imagine if you, every single time in your bedroom, you saw an outlet, and you kept, like, your six feet, right? Like, corona <laughs> distance. Right? That would be weird. Because, you see, there is... There's a beauty about the ocean, but you have to respect that there is a danger there too. There is a, a usefulness when it comes to electricity. If you don't know what I'm talking about, wait until you have a blackout and you wake up and the, how, the whole house is cold and then trying to make coffee and you realize the oh, coffee maker runs on electricity and then you're trying to make you know, any kind of warm food and you realize, I guess no warm food for me today. And then you open up the fridge and everything is just melted. Right? So you you realize that without electricity, life would be pretty difficult. So, so what is useful, if you don't come to it or approach to it with a certain amount of wisdom, right, and respect, and might I add, fear, then you might end up dead. Right? So, so how does this kind of come into this idea of fearing God. Now, a lot of times in the you know, Bible, we hear that God says, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. When, whenever an angel shows up, uh, some theologians say that there's a don't fear for every single day of the year. <laughs> like God doesn't want you to fear. But then in Proverbs, we hear verses such as, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom or the beginning of wisdom. So is it fear? What, what do you mean, fear or not fear? Like, what, what are we supposed to fear and what are we not supposed to fear? Well, approaching God, we have to realize that God, there's a, a majesty about God. There's a holiness. There's a righteousness. There's a beauty, like there's a beauty about the ocean, right? There is a certain reverence that we have to approach God with, right? Because we also have to realize that God is just. God is powerful. God is omnipresent. Now, a lot of people say things like hell is the absence of God. I think the Bible makes a case that God will be present in hell in his wrath. Right? So, so, so this idea that somehow, you know, there's a passage in Isaiah that doesn't talk about like moral evil, but it talks about how God, he creates calamity and he, he is able to bring about certain things that would not feel very pleasant. 
Now, we see this throughout the Old Testament. There is a specific passage in Leviticus 10. I'm going to read it really quick. It says, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. So Aaron is the priest of the temple. Each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense and it offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. So these two guys are working in the temple and they decide to do their own fire before the Lord. God did not require it or God did not allow it rather. And they decided that, you know what? We're going to bring a sacrifice on our own terms. Uh, God is cool with this. We're going to approach God in our own ways. And verse two says, and the fire came out from from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Now, these are the sons. Imagine, you are the son of Aaron, which is the high priest in the temple, and two of his sons get destroyed by fire because they approach God by bringing fire, the different translation calls it strange fire. This translation says unauthorized fire. And God destroys them on the spot. And of course, Aaron has a problem with this. Verse 3 says, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I'll be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So Aaron is obviously asking, Wait a second. We are serving in the house, and God just destroyed my sons. There there, there better be an explanation for this. And Moses looks at Aaron and says, "The, The Lord spoke, and the Lord said this, For those who come near me, I will show myself. A different translation says, I will show myself as holy. And I will be glorified before all people. There's another story. King David decides to bring the ark back to, uh, to where he was staying in Jerusalem. And, and he says they were supposed to carry the ark or the ark of the covenant. This, this, for those of you who don't know what the ark of the covenant was, was this box made out of wood covered in gold. And he usually was in the, in the middle of the Holy of Holies and and God would descend upon this box. Then it had like two angels on it. And, and he got, you know, there's some, some people that came and they stole the ark. And then when they were bringing it back, they had a specific way of how to carry the act, uh, sorry, the ark. And they did not follow. They put it on the cart and the cart was just sort of moving. And then the, 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 the ark was going to fall down this, 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 box made out of wood and gold that was about to fall down. And one of the, the guys decided to steady it. And he put his hand, his name is Uzzah. He put his hand on the ark and God just destroys him in a second. He says that he literally lit in fire. It's like, God, wait a second. But this guy was trying to do something good. He was trying to steady the ark as the ark was going by. And and we see these instances, and it's like a lot of times we look at the Old Testament like, yeah, God, God seemed to be really mad in the Old Testament. No, God is the same God. God didn't change his mind. God is the same. He, he's unchangeable. He's the same God from the Old Testament as the New Testament. So how do we reconcile? Because all we've heard our whole life is that God is good, and he is good. That God is love. And then he's like, whoa, wait a second. This guy is just trying to steady this, this ark, and, and God destroys him. Th- these two guys make a mistake. A mistake. God destroys them. Well, what God makes a point of is that for those who come near me, I will show myself holy. You will come near to me. You will know that I'm God. 
And I think if there's one thing that we miss in our generation, especially my generation, obviously you guys, like, is we don't have any fear of God. You know, I know this is a big statement, and, you know, some of you are maybe, maybe objecting to that, and maybe some of you, you do have that intimate, like, fear of the Lord. But I think as a generation, we sort of been treating God as, like, this vending machine where we put our prayers in and get our needs out, or we, we keep on doing the same thing over and over and over, and we don't realize that for any of us, at any time, we can step into eternity Right, so, so for those, just like approaching the ocean, you have to approach it with wisdom, with caution, with skill. Now, we, we have the benefit of learning from all these other people's mistakes. But we only learn them if we, if we actually read our Bibles, right? So approaching God, we have the benefit of, of having his history of, of a, people approaching God the right way and the wrong way. You know, is, is this a sermon about, oh, if you just did things right? Not really. Because here's what I'm leaning to. There's a better way. None of us can approach God because even stealing a paper clip will still get you lit up like a Christmas tree. But there's a better way. The better way is somebody mediated that connection for us. In the Old Testament, we see that the temple had a, a the, the, as I've already mentioned, the Holy of Holies. In this place, God would descend upon the Ark of the Covenant. And it was, it was a place where anybody that would enter without going through proper channels of constantly them, cleansing themselves and all these rituals to make sure that their sin is atoned for. If they just entered this Holy of Holies, of holies, God will destroy him. But you see, for us as Christians, the good news is that, well, let me give you the bad news. The bad news is none of us can approach God in our own condition. But the good news is that Jesus is the mediator. We see how when Jesus is crucified, that the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, it was split in half. And now through the blood of the Lamb, we can come in God's presence. Remember that song? Take me in past the outer courts into the holy place. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. So what opened a door for us is Jesus dying on the cross. But we cannot use that as a mockery. We cannot use that. And, and here's... Maybe this today is a bit kind of heavy, but just stay with me, right? In Hebrews 10, 26, we are told this, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That is a scary passage. But a fearful expectation of judgment and fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So what we're told here is that if you keep on living a lifestyle that's outside of Christ, a lifestyle full of sin, if you keep on doing this, there is a time where the sacrifice will no longer, where it says, 
no longer remain sacrificed for your sins. If you turn your back from Jesus. Now, growing up, I've always, you know, um, especially if you lived in a Pentecostal household, you're always told that do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Because if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're done. And I remember I would grow up with that. Like I would just in trepidation, right? Like I'm thinking, did I, did I do that? Because if I did, if I said it maybe if I said it, that means there's no more hope for me. But what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to call the Holy Spirit a liar. To look upon what Jesus has done on the cross and turn your back and say, nope, that doesn't save. And because you've turned your back to the only sacrifice that can save you, there is no other way for you to be saved. So blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to look at the work of the Holy Spirit on the cross through Jesus and to turn your back away from it. So when we look at this, unless we are perfect, we stand judged. Now imagine this. Let's say you somehow get arrested and you get convicted of a murder. I know it's a massive crime. Hopefully never ever happens to any of the people you ever know. And now they set a date for your execution. And every single time you try to appeal, you, you lose, and you're some 20 years into it. And then they find out that you no longer have to die because those were false accusations. And you are free to go. Wouldn't that cause joy? Of course it would cause joy. Because you are finally set free. But here's how it's different with our sin. We were guilty of murder. This is not being falsely accused. So when the enemy says you are doomed, to a certain extent, he's right. Because you are guilty. Now, think of even the elections right now. I, I had to really do some hard checks. I think most of you guys had too. Right where you're like, you get to a point like, I can't stand those people. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I hating those people right now? Because that's a murderous spirit. Jesus said, if you hate someone, you are committing murder. Right? So, so that's just a small thing. It's not small, but you know what I mean? Like, this is just a small example. We were guilty. But now, in Jesus, look at this. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy and evidence of two or three witnesses. So if you were not perfect, if you were not following the law perfectly, and if you set aside the law, there's, there's no way to be, for you to be saved because you're not perfect. He says, how much worse, listen to this, verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Oh man, that's a lot to unpack, but we still haven't got to our first passage. But here's what I'm trying to say here. That if we don't, if we're not in Jesus, we stand condemned. 
If we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit by turning our back onto the only sacrifice that can, can save us, we're in trouble. And not only we're in trouble, but we're in worse trouble because we have turned our back not on the law of Moses, but we have trampled underfoot the sacrifice of Jesus. And here's what's kind of kind of good thing. It's also a bad thing. It's, it's good the fact that God is, and it's good the fact that God is good, but also means that he's also just. And he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Can I mention a comment right now about this whole election thing? I think a lot of times when you feel like you've been, you know, someone has trampled on your rights. Or if you feel like someone has done you wrong. And I think one of the things that I do not like as being a Christian is the fact that I just sort of have to let it go and forgive them. And I'm like, but I want to do some payback. Come on. Like, I want to do something. I want to pay him back for what they've done. And you can't. Because if Christ has forgiven you, you can't pay him back how they treated you. But here's the good news. The good news is that paydays, someday there's payday for, for everything. And I find hope and reassurance that people like Hitler will have the, their, their, their day in court. So, so that gives me assurance that, you know what? All this wrath and vengeance that sort of comes over me when somebody does me wrong, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. There's, there's going to be a day in court. There's going to be a judgment day. And everyone will have to answer for everything they've done. So listen, you don't have to settle scores on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You don't have to settle scores with anybody. Just forgive and move on. Because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So that was the, the really hard news to hear. But here's the good news. What we read at the beginning. Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So for those who are in Christ, there's now no more uh, condemnation. There's no more any kind of condemnation. So the first thing I want to say, I'm going to give you three things today. First thing I want you to remember is if you are in Christ, there's freedom from condemnation. You don't have to, you know, punish yourself. You don't have to, you know, like every single time I used to when I was younger, when I used to sin, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to prove to the Lord that this time I'm serious, right? Like you, you have this, like, I'm going to try to show him that I'm serious, you know, like the self-righteous thing where you're like, I'm going I'm to do something for the Lord. You don't have to do that. In Christ, there is no longer condemnation for you. That's the good news. Just like you would find out that you were no longer condemned to death because you were sentenced for, for 20 years, you're in prison, and now you hear that you were free. In Christ is like getting that freedom from jail. You're no longer condemned. You're no longer condemned to death. That's the first thing. 
Because why? Because Jesus has done that for us. He was condemned for our sins. He was on the cross for your sin and mine. Now, I know a lot of you guys grew up in church, and, and, and you, you're like, I know this. I heard this over and over and over. But that is the good news of the gospel. But I challenge you to apply it to your everyday thing. Every single time you feel guilty. Every single time you feel condemned. Now, if, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, this is a time for you to repent, for sure. But if you hear the voice of the enemy who says, what kind of Christian are you? This is where you quote this verse and say, in Christ, there is for, therefore there is no condemnation from now on. I will not stand condemned. And, and when the enemy tries to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future, right? When he tries to, to show you how horrible you are, you can agree with them and say, yes, but this is the good news is that Jesus paid the price for who I used to be. That is the good news. You're no longer condemned. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the minds on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit, uh, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. There's quite a bit to unpack here, but we are told that this whole, this whole passage here is the next thing that I hope you remember, that in Christ, you have freedom from your sinful nature. Now, that's not to say that you're no longer going to do anything, any sin. No, but you are able now to say no to sin. You are able to say, this is not who I am anymore. I heard this story of a, a guy saying like, I don't know, man. This whole idea of Jesus turning water into wine, it's a bit far-fetched for me. I don't know if I can believe that. And this guy says, well, I don't know. I wasn't there. But what I can tell you is that Jesus in my life turned beer into furniture. Because he's like, I used to spend money on beer, but now we saved up money and we got furniture for the house. Right? So <laughs> I know it's a simple, kind of funny example, but... But when your life changes in Christ, now you're no longer showing up too late because you had a hungover, right? Like you, you, your life will start to change day in and day out. You are able, it used to be where anger would just come over you and overwhelm you. You're able to say, no, 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 I'm not going to give into that. It used to be where you got so overwhelmed by the enemy and now you can just proclaim freedom and you can resist the enemy and stand your ground. So, being in Christ gives us freedom from condemnation. It also gives us freedom from our sinful nature. Again, not to say that we're no longer going to sin, but we are able to say no to sin. I remember this, uh, this story of Abraham Lincoln when he signed that paper that gave freedom to all people of all kinds and all races and all of that. 
There's some people that up to 18 months after that, they still lived in slavery. Did you know that? Because they didn't know that this was signed. Now, when they found out, they could say, they could tell their, I don't know what you call it, master, to take a hike. Because now they're free. Right? So, so us as a church, we are in the business of telling people that they no longer have to live according to being a slave. They no longer have to be a slave to the enemy because Christ has set us free. Church, our whole existence, the whole point of us existing is to tell people, obviously having fellowship and worshiping, all that is part of it, but we are commissioned to tell the world that there's hope and good news in Christ. You no longer have to bow to your old master, be it your addiction or the enemy. You have freedom from that. And even though our bodies are constantly wasting away, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I know that uh, we don't look exactly how we looked five years ago because, you know, gravity and uh, time and the combination of weather, sun, and all those things. And then you wake up in the morning sometimes, you're like, man, I didn't, I didn't think, <laughs> I worked out my chest, why, why my feet hurt? Like, it just you have weird body pains. Um, confessing a little here, but I'm just saying, though our bodies are constantly wasting away, <laughs> Christ in us is the hope of glory. Jesus Christ, through his spirit, he was raised from the dead. And this is where I think like a lot of us think of like our post-resurrection. We kind of be like these spirits. No, we believe in God resurrected our bodies. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the goodness of God that he's not going to leave us some kind of disembodied spirit floating in the air like ghosts? If you want to know a good idea of, of, of what you're going to look like, look at Jesus after he was resurrected. He had a body that you could touch and hug. Right? So, so we have a hope that this body, even though it's wasting away, right now we will get a new body, a glorified body. That is the amazing thing about the gospel. It gives us not just freedom from sinful nature right now, but it gives us a hope for the future. So here's where I want to leave you with the third point, and that is the ultimate one, the most important one, I think. Of course, all those things are, but the, this one kind of encompasses all the ones above. Because we are in Christ, we, are, we have freedom from being abandoned. Verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For, there, uh, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order 
that we may also be glorified with him. That is the ultimate gift to us. We are no longer alone. We are no longer orphans. We are adopted in Christ. We have a new hope that, you know, you're not, if you were a slave in the house, you didn't have an inheritance. You were not an heir. You were not, you didn't have any of that. But now in Christ, we have the hope of glory. In Christ, we are adopted into his family. I wonder why would God allow for us to go through all this? Have you thought about that? Like before everything existed, why in God decided he's going to make us? Right? Knowing that there's going to be pain and suffering and rape and murder and lying and cheating and stealing. Knowing that we're going to have to go through this broken road. I wonder, it's like, God, why would you, if this whole thing is just a stage we're on, right? God, why would you allow that? Well, I want to just point to some something to you that, again, I think it's more falls into the, the kind of realm of just think about it, right? When God has created you, he's made you in his image. He's made you, you know, he said, let's make man in, his, in our image. And he has made, made you in his image and he breathed his breath into you and you became alive. But at that time, you were a creature because you were created. That's where we get the word creature from. You were created, right? But then when we went through the fall, and Jesus won on the cross, and he has redeemed us. We are no longer just a creature. We are part of God's adopted family. Kind of like it would be like this. You decide one day to make a robot, and there's plenty of movies on this. You just have to look for one. Like Pinocchio, I think, is one of them. You decided to create a creature that thing would always be a thing, be a creature. But if that thing got a free will and chose to love you and you chose to give your life for that thing, then it becomes an adoption to the family. We know that God is not going to give a redemption plan for the enemy. But to us, he has extended a redemption plan. And by being redeemed, we are being adopted in God's family. Now, of course, this is not to say that you will ever become God. That would be a heresy. But because we suffer with Jesus, we also get to share in his glory. So that's my message for tonight. I, I really hope you understand that a lot of times there's always this confusion of, okay, fear not fear. We have to come to the Lord with a proper respect, with proper reverence. We have to come to him in, 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 in righteousness, either of our own, which is impossible for any of us to ever accomplish. Well, we come to him in Christ. And if we're not in Christ, then we are in trouble. But if we are in Christ, then we can step into his presence and we can 
petition the Lord for things. We can inter- intercess, you know, we can pray for, for needs and so on because we have a way into God's presence and that is through the blood of Jesus. And that is a great privilege. And because what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we have freedom. We have freedom from condemnation. We have freedom from our sinful nature. We can say no to sin. We can say no to the enemy. We can resist the enemy. And finally, we have freedom from being alone, from being abandoned. We are adopted into his family. And because we suffer with him, we also are able to share in his glory. So I'll ask you right now to just spend a few minutes in prayer. Um, We've done this for the last seven nights or so. Um, I know there's a lot of times where, especially with these lockdowns, I had, man, a little bit of a crisis moment where I was just like, Lord, what is my life about? I I really encourage you to go to the Lord right now and say, Lord, would you remind me? If, If you're going through a time where you know that what you're doing is sinful, would you bring it before the Lord? knowing that he's able to forgive you and there's no longer condemnation. If you are going through a time right now where you just cannot break sin or addiction, would you ask the Lord to break that? Because he gave you, he gave you the ability to say no. He gave you freedom from your sinful nature. You are able to say no. And finally, if you feel like you've been lonely and abandoned and nobody cares about you, Could you ask the Lord to remind you of his goodness, of his grace, of his joy? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to go into a song here. But for you, you can sit down still and just spend a few minutes in just prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart right now. Is it, do I feel condemnation? Do I feel that I just cannot break a specific sin? Do I feel like I've been abandoned and people don't care about me? Well, the Lord said, He'll never leave you or forsake you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My hope is that this message inspired you to live in light of eternity. Please make sure to subscribe and it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review this podcast. If you have an event that you'd like me to speak at, I would love for you to reach out to me via my website. You can also support this ministry via Patreon or the website. Thank you again and God bless.